Blessed Sunday to all of you, dear friends. You are tuned in to OLMC Sunday Best. This is a sharing of the Bible study group from the parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Join us now in reflecting on this Sunday's liturgy for our life's nourishment. Welcome everyone to Sunday Best. We are on the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So before we get started, uh, let's just recite the Collect Together. Draw near, name of the Father, Father and the and Son, and, Son and, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Draw near to your servants, O Lord, and answer their prayers with unceasing kindness. That for those who glory in you as their creator and guide, you may restore what you have created and keep safe what you have restored. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So for those of you who are joining us online, um, the first reading is from the book of the Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 2, and then, then chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. Second reading is from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, chapter 3, 1 to 5, and 9 to 11. And the gospel is, again, from Luke, chapter 12, 13 to 21. So we'll start with the first reading. The first reading, a reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, says Kohalev. Vanity of vanities. All things are vanity. Here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and yet to another who has not labored over it, he must leave property. This also is vanity and a great misfortune. For what profit comes to man from all the toil and anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun? All his days, sorrow and grief is his occupation. Even at night, his mind is not at rest. This also is vanity. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, um, this is a part of the what we call wisdom uh, literature in the Bible. Um, but it seems to be a little bit um, passive and... Uh, pessimistic, uh, it, it seems to be, it, it goes against the idea of uh, hardworking and, right? So yeah. what says seems to be, it's useless to be hardworking. But I think we have to understand a little bit of, um, of his background. But first of all, it's supposed to be written by um, King Solomon. It's a man of wisdom. So, there must be some kind of uh, wisdom, not that obvious. So I, I don't think, okay, Solomon is trying to deny the importance of diligence. 
But what he tried to say probably is we should not lose sight of what is more important. We human beings are um, rather pragmatic. We live in a real world. We need to eat, we need to work, we need to earn money, we need to earn a living for the family, for our loved ones, etc. And therefore, working is, I mean, after all, we, we need to work. Uh, we need to um, save up money for the future. We need to buy a house. We need you know, all, all sorts of needs. However, there is one single truth, reality, which we have to face. Each one of us must die sooner or later. I mean, all men are mortal. So there is a wisdom here. The wisdom is, I think it's, it's written here, Everybody knows it, but uh, times and again, probably we focus too much in our work and then we forget it. It's the second verse. It says, here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and yet another who has not labored over it, he must live property. I mean, we, we work very hard, okay? But in the end, we might not be able to enjoy the fruits of our hard work. Even for parents who want to, you know, build up a wealth, um, enough money for the children. For example, I think everybody knows Lee Ka Shing, right, in Hong Kong. I mean, he uh, was able to build up a, a very huge empire, okay, and is the richest man in Hong Kong, not the richest in the world, but the top 10. So what about him? What about his, I mean, of course, in the end, okay, he has to, to leave all his hard work to his two sons who might not be able to manage the enterprise, you know, as well as, uh, you know, father himself. So it is a, a kind of a, a truth that it's not negative, it's not pessimistic, rather, he, he tries, I think he tries to draw us to uh, back to focus more on things which are most essential, more important. But of course, I mean, he did not answer it directly here in this passage, but elsewhere. Um, the whole Bible, okay, is full of this kind of uh, uh, advisor. So I, we don't need to to focus simply on this, this part, but uh, it will, it's a, it's a good reminder that no matter how hard we, we work, we have to keep in mind that we may not be able to enjoy the fruit of our hard work, okay? And well, it's, it's a poetry, okay, here. So he simply say vanity of vanities, etc. all right? So it's a kind of poetry so that people will keep this easily in their mind. It is a truth that I think many knows about, but many forget it because of, you know, the, of the, you know, they're getting too busy, too carried away in their daily life. So it, so I just want to point out that, okay, do not look at it as a negative saying, but it's a good reminder that, okay, in the end, we may not, okay, be enjoying, okay, the fruit 
that we have been working on so hard. Thanks, Deacon. Um, and I think that's a good lead on to the gospel. Um, as you saw in the first reading, it's from the word of the wise looking back before judgment day. Now let's look at, now let's look at, whilst we still have time, what we can do through the gospel of Luke. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. When he told them a parable, there was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grains and other goods And I shall say to myself, now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So as you can see, this is actually a very nice follow-up to the uh, Gospel, obviously talking about possessions and how we handle those uh, possessions. Is it wrong to possess things? Is it wrong for us to um, earn our, to use what we, our hard work to be, um, to bring, uh, to bring in the things that we want, the, the good food, the possessions, the, the, the material things that we want. Not, not necessarily so. Um, God uh, wants us to be joyful in our lives but it's more the priority. If your priority is all about possessing more and more, I think you agree with me that it never comes to an end. And whatever we possess is actually God given to us. So in fact, we should be able to share that with others. So it's more about the priority. There was a seasoned pastor who once said at their deathbed, um, people have never said that, oh, I wish I've given more away and kept more to myself. I think when it comes to that moment for each one of us, uh, and it will come, I think all of us will have said, hey, I can't take any of this with me. Why did I not? give it 
while give it away whilst we can. Our lives are not about possessions. Our lives, our priority is to focus on our Lord and our Lord's will for us. And not that possessions are wrong, but it's about the priority. If we um, earn our keeps, do something that buy something or do something that we like, that's fine. But also it's important to perhaps share those um, and not just um, keep it um, all to ourselves and try to earn more and more. So this is some of the reflections that we had during the uh, gospel. Um, we, I would like to yes. draw a little digression here. Now, um, from what the, the that someone demand, okay, so he is asking Jesus to do him justice. Now, when you look at the, what he asked, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. So there is a kind of injustice going on between the two brothers. Probably, okay, uh, he, uh, his brother is the elder brother, and this man probably is the younger brother. So perhaps the father pass away and leave behind, okay, the, some inheritance for them to share. However, the, um, the elder brother, okay, the elder brother, he, he kept everything. He's not sharing. Perhaps he wants to share it later or whatever. And then this man uh, came to Jesus to ask Jesus to help him, to ask Jesus to settle the dispute, to do him justice. So my question is, why did Jesus not do him justice? No, I think what Jesus is saying is that the person who asked Jesus for um, support, <laughs> yeah. it's actually not being treated unjustly because what he's saying is that the richer brother is not necessarily more blessed because then he went on saying that, you know, there are people who focus on collecting all this wealth, but actually cannot enjoy it. So it's actually not important. Like the wealth is, is not important. I think that's the message that Jesus tried to tell this brother. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, uh, Jesus teaches, you know, the truth, teaches something higher. But I mean, has Jesus neglected the justice, you know, between the two brothers? So this is my question. I mean, if, um, of, of course, I mean, Jesus gave them a warning or not, okay, do not uh, uh, be, you know, Put all your put all your mind in in having possession. Be careful because greed is something bad. Okay, but yes, greed is something bad. But what about injustice? In the sense that okay, the brother you know kept all the inheritance and then gave nothing to the younger brother. The younger brother got no money to possess, no wealth to live on. His daily life. Then is is Jesus not doing the younger brother? Justice. So my, my question is, is a little bit over-ended, but of course, I mean, I just divert a little bit because I think there must be something 
I mean, okay, injustice and greed. More noble, important things, spiritual things. But still, I mean, what about injustice? It has to be tackled. No, look, I mean, my, I have very different view about that because mm. obviously all of us have been wrong in some way or another in this life. But the story is not over until we die. So there's no one to say that, oh, this is injustice. I need to get reparation today because this, our life is still long. It's ah. perhaps related to the previous week's reading about, or not previous week, but sometime this week, there was a reading about why does God allow different, you know, grass and wheat to grow together and, mm, mm, mm. and what happened at the end when the fish will be collected and some will be thrown away and some will be right. in the basket. So I guess we can't really look at what what we experience in life as black and white, like, okay, this is injustice and I need to, to I, I, I'm sure we all receive blessings in different ways. So perhaps even this brother who didn't get the money mm. actually got other blessings or he may be able to find wisdom through the lack of money so I think what God is trying to say is that don't just focus on that because that's really not important hmm. let me, let me, this is a very good point, I mean probably the elder brother who has all the inheritance may not be able to enjoy it may not be able to benefit from that much possession while on the other hand the younger brother who at first seems to have nothing but probably in the end, okay, we, we don't know. I mean, the story is not ended yet. But um, so Jesus seemed simply, you know, jump over the injustice issue, but uh, point to the, um, uh, the, the, the greed issues, okay, something higher. So probably it's something we, we need to, to focus more on that. Yeah, something which is higher. So on that note, uh, I think we'll move on to the second reading to seek something beyond material possessions. Very good segue. Yeah. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, if you are raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ your life appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Put to death, then, the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and the greed that is idolatry. Stop lying to one another, since you have taken off the old self, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, for knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to you. I mean, do you have any idea sharing that, that you would like to, to do with after reading this? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, not specifically from the second reading. Mm -hmm. 
but immediately after hearing all three passages, we can draw the similarity, which is really like, don't be attached to earthly matters. Mm. Uh, because when we become acquainted with Christ, we are really reborn with new knowledge. And um, we're supposed to then use that knowledge to seek a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, just don't be attached, regardless what it is, whether it's wealth, money, or even knowledge, because like knowledge of like science and everything, um, all this is actually eventually in vain if we mm-hmm. don't use it for a greater good. So it's really sort of finding purpose in life. I, I think eventually it's about yeah. finding purpose. Yeah. When I meditate on this uh, piece of reading, I was uh, caught by a phrase which is rather interesting, which says, okay, in the middle, that greed, greed, that is idolatry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, for us modern people, we do not put the two together. So what does it mean to Paul, to the people in those age? What is the meaning of greed, that is idolatry? Why is worshipping idols? I mean, why is it equal to, to greed? I don't know about that time, but nowadays people worship idols, they go to a fortune teller and so on, because they're greedy. They want to make more money. They want things to go that way. I don't know whether there's one particular idol, but definitely fortune telling is late. Okay, so people worship, I mean, modern day. Modern day. Even modern days, okay? Also, people worship idols mostly for the purpose of making more money. Oh, related, a better life, a better school, or children, everything. <laughs> final result is uh, money. Okay, so finally is money. Okay. I think we have a tendency, a tendency to, um, to buy insurance. Can I put it this way? That is to say, yes, I believe in God, but, uh, well, there's no harm, you know, worshipping other gods. In just in case, in the end, it is not God who controls everything, but rather it is the, the God, that that Yam, that, you know, etc. So probably, probably, you know, this is what Jesus meant in the Sermon of the Mount, that blessed are those who are pure in heart, that they will see God. I think it refers to, to something like this similar thing here. Why did the Israelites worship other idols? I mean, didn't they know that, or at least their, their fathers, their ancestors had told them that it was God, it was Yahweh who delivered them from Egypt, freedom from bondage. And yet in the end, they still worship the other idols. You know, in the in the neighbor together with the neighbors. So, I, yeah. But is idolatry only referred to other gods? What about like these days? We also found image, you know, like a public figure, like oh, celebrity yeah, yeah. or a 
a popular person yeah. and, and then we worship them in a sense because <laughs> of their good looks their and we devote their life we chase after them we you know right. something like that yeah those, those are idols but in the in the chinese way <laughs> Uh, translate probably that this is nothing to do with the religious mm. meaning of idolatry but that can distract us right that can distract us from the purpose no, I mean the, you, you're referring to you know those young people they chase other yeah. stars yeah. And mirrors but I mean it's to to, a, to an extent it's the same, right? Because then you sort of idealize that image. You think I want to be like these people because these are perfect in my mind. But actually there's no such thing. Like it sort of distracts us from the true image of God that is trying okay. to be presented. So you there. you have you have broadened the um the mean uh, so it is not simply of greed that we create idols. Of course, I mean, those businessmen behind, they create idols for these young people to consume in order to make money. So they make gods, they make idols in order to make money. So, yes. And then we have on the other side of the of the story is those consumers, those uh, young people. They, they chase over those idols and stars all because Okay, they idealize them. So, ah, this is something they... Yeah, popularity, fame, power, like it's not just money, right? Like everything that's associated with like being... And to me, greed is only one more. To the greedy, right? Greed is not just so sweet for this. Not satisfied with what you have. Okay, not satisfied with... You are more. Yes. Okay. Right. Then becoming not grateful and associated with not. Being and grateful. yes, once you be, you 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 accumulate, you know, much wealth, you will have a, a false sense of power. Then you will put God away. You will ignore God. So greed, you know, all these. Yes. So it is. It is truly the, uh, to a certain extent is really identical. Now, the, the reason why I, I bring this out is because um, Luke was a disciple of St. Paul, right? He's a follower of St. Paul. So, okay, we have the gospel of Luke. But you can safely, you can even say this is also the gospel of Paul. Paul wrote letters to tackle practical problems of each community and church. And then St. Mark was the first one who, who started writing gospel and it's a successful um, type of literature. Okay, it's, you know, so the other evangelists follow suit, you know, to put Jesus' teaching into a context, into a story, so that it will be more easily acceptable than, you know, Paul's letter. Paul's letter is, is important, but uh, not that attractive, not easy to remember, but you know, the gospel is different. So here in the gospel of Luke, we are actually reading the gospel of, of Paul. So it is Paul's idea as well that, okay, we should focus more, focus on something higher, which is true, which is genuine 
which is authentic. So here today in the reading of the gospel of, of, of St. Paul, no, not the gospel, well, the gospel as well. Okay, St. Paul to the Colossians, you can see that he, he pawned blank, okay, he, he, he told the people, pawned the blank, that you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ. Right? Okay, you do not think that you, you, you are, you, I mean, of course, I mean, in Luke's stories, it's, it's gentle in the sense that, okay, ah, okay, the fool will die tonight, but you're, but, but even, but for us, we are alive. Our old self should be dead. Okay, and our life is with Christ. It is something which he refers to in the gospel. It is something that matters to God, something higher. So if you focus more on that something higher and focus less on wealth and possession. So this whole thing, so to, I, I think we can also read, I would like to, yeah, to read, you know, the first letter to Timothy, chapter 6. It's not here, but you, uh, I would like to refer you to um, Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verse 10. Paul said it directly. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So this reason why possession, wealth, is, is bad, is an evil. In, why are they bad? Their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So you will lose your faith. You will harden your heart. You will become too, feel, you will feel too powerful that you will reject God. That's why after, you know, near the end, okay, he, he, he provides some practical solutions here. So when we jump to verse 17, he said, okay, he said, I mean, Paul said to Timothy, he says, for as, as for those who in the present age are rich, command them, you know, it's not <laughs> command them, a very strong language, not to be haughty. Yes, you will become proud because of money. You will reject God easily or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Uncertainty. Why? Because, well, you do not know when you will die. But rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God will take care of our needs. I mean, this is, you know, the teaching in the gospel. What should they do? They are to do good, to be rich in good work, generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future. This is what Jesus said. Okay. You store up the treasures to be rich in heaven so that they may take hold of the life that is really his life. So our real life, our, our genuine life is not in this world. It's in Jesus Christ. And it is in heaven. So whatever you do, you should focus. Do not lose sight of this important point. I think many of us are too busy, too much occupied with our works at hand, and we will lose sight of this important fact. Thanks, Deacon. Um, 
I do want to open it up to the group online. Um, feel free to unmute yourself for any thoughts or reflections. Americus, HY. Uh, okay, I, I just have a quick, uh, um, actually, when you, you know, when Deacon, you mentioned that uh, the injustice, the rich brother and the poor brother, <laughs> so after, after you mentioned this one and, and, and the second reading, I was thinking, you know, the injustice is not really from, from Jesus. I think it's like, um, it's how we react to injustice because we, we, we also need to help ourselves. So that's why it's like free will. So it's up to us to see if we are worthy, if we can, you know, like, uh, because, you know, like you said, when, when we die, you know, we cannot bring that. So it's up to us to see if, we are worthy and we can do the right thing or, uh, you know, help our brother or keep it to ourselves. So um, I, I guess it is like, it is up to us to, to act. So that, so that, that's why probably he is always not helping, but it's like, you need to help. You need to help ourselves. Yes. Then we, if we are worthy, then, you know, that's, that's when, uh, when we, after we die, we are all equal, and we may—I guess—we we may be worthy being with him. But we may not be equal after we die. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll be richer in heaven. <laughs> yes, I think it depends also on what we do on 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 while we are alive. You know. Yes, exactly. Why. How we make good use of what we have. I mean, remember what Paul wrote to, to Timothy? He said, make good use of your money, you know, to do good, to be generous. You know, some of us have money and, okay, I, I, my priority, okay, <laughs> just as what Peter said, my priority may be, you know, put elsewhere instead of the, of the good of the others for the, for the, for the needy. So, so I'm sure we will, some of us will be richer in heaven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Mericus, for sharing. Um, anyone else uh, online? I do have something to share. Um, you know, the in the in the first reading and the and the second no, in the one where the gospel where the man asked um, Jesus to help him with the justice, I feel um, you know Jesus is saying that the material stuff are not important. And if that man had asked for some wisdom to deal with the injustice, maybe Jesus would help him you know, to see it from another perspective. So, you know, that's how I feel. But um, I, I'm, I'm always somebody who likes about application, right? So, for example, if I feel that I have enough and I want to help somebody else, and it happens in real life that sometimes we give to the people we think or we thought they need help, um, yeah. it happens all the time in my parish. So what happens is someone will come then to tell me that, oh, she's actually not that poor. She's just acting very poor, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she doesn't deserve so much help from you and this and that, you know. But how am I to tell, right, you know. I mean, they, they put out themselves as to that they need this and they need that. And sometimes we just help. So how do we decide, you know, or discern? Are we doing a bad thing by helping or not? No, that's all. <laughs> Thanks, HY. And I think um, Jesus also does the same. When people ask him for his help, he does 
um, come and aid us. Uh, just like last week, he asked us to continue to pray and offer him up our prayers and wishes. So great point. Thanks, HY. Anyone else online? Um, well, I mean, no, yeah, on. I mean, I mean, yeah, we should, to a certain extent, you know, exercise our prudence. I mean, when you feel not comfortable, you know, giving so much to the one who asks for help, maybe, you know, we are doing uh, doing him a, a disservice. Maybe the man, the, the, the guy is mentally, you know, not uh, capable or, you know, we, we, everybody's different. So somehow, when we when we help others, um, we have to to be prudent in the sense that uh, what we do are we doing really something good for him? Okay, first of all, of course, we seem to have solved the immediate problem, uh, immediate financial needs. But uh, if they develop a kind of dependencies on you, then it, it seems to be bad. So I, I think yes, prudence. But of course, um, well, we nobody is perfect. I mean, including ourselves, we may make wrong judgments. So as long as your you your conscience is able to to keep, I mean, yeah, just go on until you feel not comfortable. Your conscience tells you that no, he's not depending on you. Don't don't give any more. Then probably then you stop. All right, there's there's no hard and fast rule to decide. Just uh, to go back to what you said, you, what your friend told you that the person is not really that poor. Um, I think when you share with people, it's too complicated to evaluate yeah. your financial status. Mm-hmm. And somewhere, it's not that I'm able to do it. Somewhere I heard, you have to give till the time that you, it hurts you to get that much. <laughs> so... I was very lucky to have some very holy priests as friends. And they always think rather miss rather be fooled by people mm. than to miss the opportunity of being charitable. Okay. This is how they feel. Yeah. Oh, but that, that's interesting because I just come across my mind as you were saying that that perhaps not everything can be solved by money, right? So yes. if if we do encounter someone regularly and we sense that that person has a problem, then perhaps it's worth sort of finding out more what is the root cause of the problem and how we can help to solve it instead of like giving money. If we think yes. that giving money alone is not Yes. So we need to understand more yeah. as well. So, I mean, give them them financial help probably is just the first step. If we are able to, to, to sense that he, he might need something else, then probably we, we need to explore. And then probably it's not us. Maybe we need to refer to somebody who is more professional, you know, that to, to, to handle the, the particular cases. Yes. Uh, well, yes, I mean, you're right, okay, we, we, we do not judge, but uh, we should be prudent, okay. Thanks so much. Uh, any further in the room? Thank you for asking. 